If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-5! Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor! From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts' official podcast presented by WinBet proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis coach. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. My name is Jeffrey Gorman, usually joined here week in and week out by Miss Lara Overton. She is on assignment today, but as usual, he's here week in and week out as well. JJ Stankovitz, Colts.com, senior writer. I'm still buzzing. Yeah, you, be, you better be. I'm buzzing from that game on Sunday. I, I was at like a 10 from that first touchdown that JT scored and we're, we got Brian Baldinger on later. Yes, and Baldy talk, was there. Baldy, Baldy was there. We got some great breakdowns from Baldy coming up on this. And hey, Jeffrey, you 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 yours used your connections. Yes, to get us the opposition. I did this week. This has got to be a first in the NFL, I, right? I mean, we are bringing in an opposing coach that we're facing in about five days from now at Lucas Oil Stadium to be on our Colts official podcast, and his name is Clyde Christensen. And and great point you brought up. The reason normally this wouldn't happen, but Clyde's a friend of the show. Clyde mm-hmm. did a lot of stuff with us when he was here as offensive coordinator, as quarterback coach, as wide receiver coach. Obviously, with the Dungy Manning tree, he was a big part of that with Tom Moore as well. So yes, we will get a different angle. That's actually a coach who we're facing in five days is going to be on this I podcast. Love it. I so, love it. I, here's the thing, JJ. You may be guilty by association, but if Ursay gets wind of this, you and me may be looking at, you know, we could be looking at the WAN ads pretty soon. Hey, 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 listen. listen I'm just listen. saying. I don't know if it's cop- copacetic or not to have the opposition on, but we're going to give it a roll. We we did. We did. And look, Clyde was great. We we taped it before we taped this part. Uh, it was great. You, I, I let you do the shtick with him. I just asked him a couple questions about some Colts legends. Yep. Um, really, really nice man. Really great that he he, is. he took yeah. some time with us. I I think everyone listening to this podcast is going to love that. They're going to love the Baldy breakdown. But hey, they got to listen to us talk. They do a little I, bit before we get to the meat of this. And listen, we, I, are, we are Jeffrey. We are the appetizers. We are the charcuterie Brian plate Baldinger? that comes out. Before you bring out the turkey on Thanksgiving. Brian Baldinger is the ribeye. Clyde Christensen is the uh, Chateaubriand. I think that's steak for two. I don't know. I'm not I'm not up on it. Anyway, uh, Filet Oscar. Yeah, we got something big something. coming up, but like uh, JJ said, you're going to have to get through us for a couple of minutes here first. And I'm just going to say this right now. We saw 32 carries, 185 yards out of Jonathan Taylor, okay? Do we see that? I ask you, JJ, do we see that as a norm, perhaps, from here on out, knowing that you really can't let any of these upcoming games slip if you want a chance at going to the playoffs? Are we going to see these 30-carry games in the future from JT? Look, I mean, we've heard it from everyone that JT does not get tired, and you know who got tired was the Bills' defense. I got tired of tackling him Mm -hmm. on Sunday, so... Look, I don't know if it's the norm. It's based on the flow of the game, and and the run game was working so well in Buffalo. It wasn't hitting home runs the way that it has in previous games. JT had that long of 40, but it was getting consistently 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 yards, which against a defense as good as the Bills was incredibly impressive. And here's the stat I got for you, JG. The Colts faced 
eight or more men in the box mm-hmm. on 11 of Jonathan Taylor's runs. Usually when a team, st- and, and this is outside of goal to go. They'll check out of it, yeah, right? The, you, right, exactly. You'll check out of it. You, you'll see the numbers in the box and you'll say, nope, we're going to throw it because you know what? They probably got, they, they walk a safety down. You should have some good matchups in the passing game. You know what the Colts did? They ran it. <laughs> and Jonathan Taylor averaged almost five yards per carry on those runs. Wow. That is nuts. That's insane. That speaks to how good the Colts blocking was. And then when Jonathan Taylor got one-on-one against a defensive back, he ran them over. Whether it was Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, we're talking about great safeties here. Tredavious White, a great cornerback. You can see why I'm buzzing a little bit. Because when you run the ball against a team that's doing whatever it can to stop the run the way the Colts did, man, that's how you win by 26 points on the road. Are you saying, are you saying... That this offense, I don't care if you throw nine in the box, they're still going to run Jonathan Taylor at you just because they like the matchups up front of the big uglies. So, probably not. Okay. I mean, you throw nine in the box, you are you are on the one-yard <laughs> line. And, I mean, look, Michael Pittman Jr. still exists in this offense, sure, right? Sure, sure. But the, the Bucks are interesting because they are pretty even in how they disperse the, the men in the box. They'll play some light boxes with six or fewer. They'll play normal with seven, and they'll they'll stack it with eight in a, a pretty relatively even rate. I did some numbers on it, um, you know, earlier today, and mm-hmm. they're all they're all pretty close together. The other thing, teams just don't run on the Bucks much because it's really hard. Vitavea, we'll see if he plays. That to me, that's a name to keep an eye on, Colts fans. If Vitavea plays this week, he is the best run stopping defensive tackle in the NFL, and if he's not on the field. Look, Ndamukong Sue is very good. Levante David, Devin White, the linebackers are very good. The, the Bucks still have a very good run defense, but they go from very good to top of the league when Vitavea is in there. Right. And it, we'll, we'll see on that one. But look, Jonathan, it, does it matter? I don't want to say, you know, it, 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 it doesn't matter, but the Bills entered Sunday, week 11, averaging 3.8 yards per carry allowed. Jonathan Taylor entered Sunday, averaging 5.8 yards per carry. Jonathan Taylor, <coughs> excuse me against the Bills, averaged 5.8 yards per carry. He's scheme-proof. He's just the best running back in the NFL, maybe the best offensive player in the NFL, if you listen to some of his teammates. Absolutely right. And listen, let's, it's me and you, guys like us, that talk about this stuff, and I don't think they're, they're talking about it. Well, they might be in the locker room, because post-game I heard a little MVP chatter. This team goes out and does, does what they have to do, and I'm going to even throw a loss in there in these final few games. I'll throw a loss in there, but they do make the playoffs. Jonathan Taylor, a definite MVP candidate? Well, I mean... I th- Start knowing three, bro. Start knowing yeah, three, making the playoffs. Look, I, I I don't think you need to convince anyone in this town that Jonathan Taylor should be an MVP candidate. the The problem is that it is a, an award that goes to quarterbacks. I mean, seventeen of the last twenty MVP awards have gone to a quarterback. The last running back to win it was Adrian Peterson. He's the last skill position player to win it, and it, it's it's really hard because quarterbacks impact the play. Every single time. They're the only people on the field to touch the ball in every single play, I guess, other than the center. Mm-hmm. And that's just so hard for any other player to overcome in, in the national view of this. But for what we're watching, we see every single snap, every time Jonathan Taylor takes a handoff, and we see the impact that it has in the defense when he, even when he doesn't get a handoff. I, I don't know how you can't say he's one of the most impactful, one of the most valuable players in the NFL to his team. Right. We got T.Y. Hilton out there. We got obviously Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. Naeem out there. Hines. Naeem Hines out there. So my, my question with throwing those names down is he threw for 106 yards against the Bills. I'm talking about Carson Wentz. 106. You, you know what? 
he didn't turn the ball over. 106. I'm saying, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. No turnovers. But is that okay going from here on out? I know well, it's the scheme. Yeah, it's, it's what they played. Right. You know, he's thrown for over 300. We get that. But 106 yards for a quarterback with the likes of Pittman and T.Y. Hilton. Mm-hmm. I, I hope everybody's okay with it. But I'm saying, is the offensive players, especially the specialists, they okay with days like that, that oh, they're yeah. not putting up Look, huge stats? Th- this is why the Colts built the roster the way they did. You don't go and, and you know, construct a roster based around not only talent but character just to do it. You you do it for moments like this where you go out and you beat the the ever-loving crap out of the Bills mm-hmm. and Jack Doyle's your leading receiver with three catches for 30 <laughs> yards. Right, right. And you know what? After the game, Michael Pittman Jr. wasn't going on Twitter and liking a bunch of stuff being like, oh, Pittman should get the ball more. He was tweeting that Jonathan Taylor should be the MVP. Right. Like, right. that. that is the locker room that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and guys like Brian Decker have worked so hard to create here in Indianapolis that – you can go win games in different ways. I mean, every one of JT's teammates will tell you it doesn't matter if he gets 40 carries or two carries. What matters is that the Colts win. And that's legit. That's real. That is why this Colts team is set up so well for success because they can win in multiple ways. And when that multiple way, the, the different way to win, means you don't have as much of an impact in terms of your stats, you, you're not seeing grumbling. You're not seeing people being mad about that. You're seeing a full-on celebration for the way that the Colts went out and won that game on Sunday. And now we're seeing this. And what we're seeing when I'm speaking is uh, something out of the norm is they're they're getting a big lead and they're not surrendering it. Like, you know, they, they didn't yep. buckle at all in the second half after getting that lead and holding on to the thing. Turnovers played a huge part of it. Obviously, Josh Allen not great, even though he threw for uh, 209 yards. He was 21 to 35. Why... Why is because we talked a lot in defense here, and mm-hmm. you know there's been yeah. some injuries and whatnot, defensive backfield. But why were they so sound? Why were they so easy for the turnover that that afternoon? You, you got to give a ton of credit to Matt Eberflus, Allen Williams, Andrew Sandejo, and George Odom. We're talking about two backups playing at safety with Julian Blackman and Kari Willis on injured reserve. And what Kenny Moore said after the game is that the the Colts worked so diligently to disguise their coverage. They were rotating pre and post snap and confusing Josh Allen, but they were playing a lot of too high, keeping everything in front of them, and they were playing with discipline. George Odom, when he went and picked that pass off, he knew he had a chance to go get it. Mm-hmm. That was not an undisciplined shot at picking off a pass. Andrew Sendejo, same thing in the back end. And for backups to do that, for guys who, if Julian Blackman and Carly Wills are healthy, they are starting, they're playing every single snap. For them to play as well as they did, that against this passing offense, this Bills passing offense, that was so impressive. Major credit needs to go to the Colts coaching staff, to those players for. I mean, Josh Allen, Rick Venturi was saying it during the broadcast on the radio. He he was he, he was like, Allen's not seeing it. He's not seeing it. He's inaccurate. He's not reading what we're putting out there. And that's because we disguise coverages so well and we played very disciplined in the back end. Love it. Love Rick Venturi, too. Listen to him on Absolutely. game days and Monday nights. Don't forget. And now, Inside Football with Rick Venturi. Inside Football with the old ball coach. Love it. Now, we've got the Bucks awaiting. Coming up, Brian Ballinger from the NFL Network, as well as... Again, Clyde Christensen, yeah. quarterback coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks, who are coming in here. He will be on the show today. So I want to talk about those Bucks a little bit. Uh, when you're talking about them, you know, you, everything goes through Brady. But Evans, obviously, Godwin, uh, Gronk, uh, Antonio Brown might be playing. Yep. Leonard Fournette's been good. Uh, and, and Bruce Arians and coaching staff, they want to beat the brakes off of this this team right here. What do you like about this matchup? And, and more importantly, that Bucks defense? 
78 yards a game yeah. they give up rushing. Only 78 a game. Well, that that stat, I kind of, I mean, look, it's not me saying the Bucks don't have a good rush defense. That stat is skewed because the Bucks are blowing teams out. <laughs> I mean, the Atlanta Falcons aren't running the ball a whole lot when they're losing 48-25. to 25. Right, right. You know, the the Dolphins 45-17, the Bears 38-3, to the Giants 30-10 to on Monday Night Football. So the, the, maybe those are skewed a little bit. But, look, this is a really good Bucks defense. I, I want to focus on them because I think we all know what Tom Brady can do. For sure. better or for worse in this town, we know what Tom Brady can do. And those wide receivers, Evans, Godwin, Gronk, you know, the, everyone who can catch a pass on that team is a threat. The Bucks defense, th- this is something I, I, I'm going to ask Baldy about later when we have him on, but I think this is as big of a game for Jonathan Taylor in pass protection as it is running the ball. Because if the Colts get into some third third downs, third and longs, Todd Bowles is going to blitz, and he's going to blitz a lot. And if Jonathan Taylor is able to play as well in pass protection as he did against the Bills, there's one play, Jeffrey, the third and sixth completion Carson Wentz had to T.Y. Hilton. Mm-hmm. You go back and you watch that play. The Bills bring an A-gap blitz with Matt Milano, their inside linebacker. If Jonathan Taylor doesn't pick him up, that play is dead. The Colts are punting. Instead, JT gets really good leverage. He gets low, and he lifts Milano off the ground a little bit, shoves him away from the play. Carson completes the pass to T.Y. Hilton for a first down. That's what the Colts are going to need because Devin White, the Bucks linebacker, he has 27 pressures. That is the most pressures an off-ball linebacker has in the NFL this year. Right. He gets after quarterbacks because they find good ways to to blitz him and get him, in. You know whether it's a delayed blitz, just a straight A-gap blitz. Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator. This is going to be a challenge for the Colts' entire offense, not just for Jonathan Taylor on the ground. Again, only giving up 78 yards rushing a game. That's Vita Vea, Vernon Golston, Indomica Soup, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Those are big men up front. So the defensive backfield, a little bit of a, little a different issue. Little so I ask you, J.J. Stankovitz, is this a pass-happy day? Is this a Carson Wentz sort of a day because of what they provide as far as the big fellows up front and trying to rush the football? You'll always do that with Jonathan Taylor and the great backs. I get it. But are we talking about Carson having possibly a field day if he gets the time? It could be. It could be because I think you you have to create your game plans week to week. So just because Jonathan Taylor had 32 carries last week doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. he's going to get it this week because, by the way, you know who is watching Jonathan Taylor get 32 carries? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So how will Frank Reich, now that you've got, you know, Jonathan Taylor's going supernova every single week, the Bucks know that, they've got guys who can stop him, how do you counter that? Is it with different run schemes like we saw the Colts run against the Bills where they're running, uh, you know, Baldy's favorite play, Trap Wham, a okay. bunch? And is it with different ways to run the football? Do the Colts get back to running more inside zone this week? Do they just say, all right, Carson, you got you got the numbers in the box again, you can go make those checks because we need, we're going to need to pass it against a secondary that's a little bit banged up. That's fascinating. This this game, Jeffrey, I, I'm so juiced up for this game because you got two teams that are playing at a very high level. Mm-hmm. I know the Bucks just lost two games in a row against the Saints and the and Washington football team. you got two teams that are playing at a very high level. One thing, though, about Tampa Bay before we get to Baldy. On the road this year, first game, they lost to the Rams 34-24. Second time they went on the road, they beat the Patriots 19-17 to on a game-winning uh, field goal miss by Nick Folt. That was still kind of early in Mac Jones. Then they go on the road to the Eagles. They only win that game by six points. They then lose to the Saints by, that's nine points, and then they lose to Washington football team by 10 on the road. 
the the Bucks so far have told us they are a different team at home than they are than they are on the road. Mm-hmm. Will that show up against a packed Lucas Oil Stadium? I've heard, by the way, that Colts fans don't like Tom Brady too much. Not Is that really. True? Not Is that true? really. Not really. No, he's uh yeah. He's uh he he will they will hear the booze. I mean he will hear they much respect out of these smart Indianapolis Colts fans. Much respect, but he's gonna get a loud uh you know, a loud chorus of booze throughout the afternoon. You wanna get smarter? Follow this guy on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz, just like it sounds at JJ Stankovitz. And also you wanna get smarter, you you should uh, I think it's at Baldy NFL, our next guest, Brian Baldinger from the Ooh. NFL network. Let's say hello to the big fella. You know him, you love him, he loves offensive line. Line play. He loves good running back play. He loves football. Here's why you're on this week, and I'm so excited that Lara Overton was able to to coordinate this, Baldy. Is you were in Buffalo. You saw Jonathan Taylor. You saw the offensive line. My question to you is: Did you have any idea pregame when I saw you down there on the sidelines with I think it was Stephon Diggs throwing passes to the fans? Did you have any idea that Jonathan Taylor and the Colts offense would be that successful in that environment on Sunday? No, I didn't. I mean, it's hard to predict anything like that. Uh, you know, just a blowout win. And, you know, because I talked to Carson and I, I talked to Josh Allen before the game. And, I, you know, I kind of felt like it was going to be a playoff game, playoff atmosphere for sure. And both those guys agreed with it. But I, I didn't think that it was going to turn the way it did. And that Jonathan would have – I thought he would have a good day, uh, regardless of the Bills' you know, defensive stats. I thought he'd have a good day, but not – not the way they did. Not, not running away from defenders for forty yards and scoring five touchdowns. I, I never would have imagined something like that. All right, Baldy. I want to talk to you about Trap Wham, which is not yeah. a mashup of George Michael and Fetty Wap doing a band together. <laughs> it is a play the Colts ran over and over successfully yeah. against the Bills. Something you broke down in Baldy's breakdowns. But I want to ask you this about it because fans can go watch the video. The Colts running that play on, like, the 40-yard line, isn't that usually a play that you run in the low red area or inside the red zone, not where the Colts are running it on Sunday? No, not really. Okay. You know, you can run that, you can run that anywhere. Um, you know, it's interesting. I thought, you know, they ran it when Quinton was reasonably healthy and in there. They ran it, um, you know, to the left side. And then when Quinton went out of the game and Chris Reed came in the game, they ran it the other side with Glowinski doing the trap. Because, I mean, Jack Doyle, is, you know, he's a great blocker. And so it's really the guard tight end, you know, uh, working in unison together. And then, you know, you got to pass over the, the center and the tackle got to pass over to get to the second level. But uh, on that play, timing is really, really important. And I thought they timed it up really well. And then Jonathan, you know, really hit it well, too. But, you know, I, I learned a long time ago, sometimes you double up a play because it works, and sometimes you double up a play because it's supposed to work. And you get some of these plays some days, and you're like, you come off the field, and you're like, run it again, man. They can't stop it. They're, you know, they're upfield, but let's just stop them. And it's a, great, it's a great play, especially with a defensive line that just wants to penetrate. I mean, you just kind of stop it um, after a while, and they start looking for it. Do you think that the first one they ran, which was the, the Jonathan Taylor's first touchdown, where Doyle comes across on the wham, he hits Harrison Phillips, but Phillips doesn't, doesn't even know he's coming. I mean, he like no. hits Phillips in the side on that play. When the Bills go yeah. back to the sideline after that, wh- what are they saying about what the Colts are running and how, how they're executing that play so successfully? Well, you know, yeah, Jack, well, I mean, they're definitely doing that. And really, you know, as a defense, 
you kind of what you study is formations, and formation kind of reveals the plays. That's put all the time in during the week, and you know what plays are basically going to come. And you would think that if you run it once, and Jack Doyle's in that offset position at tight end, that you have some kind of an alert for it. And they seem they, they by the third time they ran it, they seemed a little bit more prepared. But the first two times they ran it, I mean that tackle came up field like you described, like Phillips came up field, and you know he got ear hold right there and. Uh, you should you you should you know learn from that pretty quickly. Be honest with you, you kind of get a feel for plays that are coming, and that's one that a lot of teams run. Uh, but I, I don't know that I've seen a team run it three or four times the way that the Colts did on Sunday. One of the best analysts are covering the NFL. Brian Baldinger is our guest. Follow him on Twitter. It's real easy, at BaldyNFL. I know we love offensive linemen here, Baldy. So, overall, uh, they're healthy, finally. They're healthy. This Colts offensive line, we're getting a good push from Chris Reed, who's been uh, giving some breaks to Glowinski or, in in the case, on on Sunday for Quentin Nelson that went down. Overall, what do you think of this line play? I like it. I like it. You know, getting Braden Smith back in there, nothing against Matt Pryor. I, I know Matt. I think Matt's a better um, tackle than he is a guard. Uh, but, I, but I knew him here in Philadelphia where I'm at. But I, I think getting Braden Smith back, I mean, I just think he's a really good player. Uh, you know, he's a big guy that plays with low pad level. And him and Glow are good. You know, I, obviously I give a lot of attention to Q. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I think getting Fisher in there, you know, if you tear your Achilles and you've been rehabbing, it's going to take a little while. Before you get right, feel right, it's going to feel like a different, you know, leg and foot and all that stuff. But I, I think they're playing really well. You know, obviously Frank likes his tight ends, and so the tight ends are very heavily involved in the run game, and they've got to seal the edges and do a lot of things. But I think as a group, they're really, really good right now. And uh, I, I think anybody that isn't paying attention to Michael Pittman and his blocking just isn't watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a very good blocker. He's very tough. Um, you know, he's more than just a Colts leading receiver. I mean, he's he's about as tough as they come at that position, and he's a part of their success. Well, you were talking about Quentin Nelson. Everybody loves OQ. We know he's dinged up a little bit right there. Can you just say, I know this is for Ursay Ballard and Frank Reich, but in your opinion, will he get tackle money? Will he be the highest paid ever to play the offensive line, uh, you know, by next summer or whenever it is that this, uh, you know, his extension is up and he signs a new deal? I, I don't think you can look at, okay, you know, left tackles get paid this and mm-hmm. guards get paid that. I, you know, he made – he transformed that whole team the day he got there. He made uh, – you know, he made everybody better. Um, and so I think Kelly's been better since he's been in there. He sets the tone up front. Just his work ethic, his work habits. Like, whatever you got to pay, Quentin, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he's going to ask for. I have no idea. But uh, I don't – you know he's a jersey kid like he's what's he going to do buy another pair of sweatpants like you know, I mean, you know that's a big deal but you know you know money is in south and and that kind of stuff is a sign of respect I, I just don't think you can look at q like okay he's a guard you can't pay him like you know trent williams or whoever you know just pick a guy so i i just think that you got to pay what what you got to pay him in order to keep him and make sure that he's a cult for life Baldy, I want to ask you about this because I talked about it a little bit before we have you on, but Jonathan Taylor against the Bills, when he faced eight or more men in the box, he averaged about five yards per carry. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, that's a Bills defense that coming into this game was already number one in the NFL. They were number three against the run, and for him to do that, what what it, what it stood out to me was that when you get Jonathan Taylor essentially one-on-one against a defensive back, 
he's going to run right through them. When you saw what what JT and the Colts offense did against those stack boxes, what stood out to you? Well, you know, he, he like running backs had this thing. Like I would, if I was a coach of a running back, I would chart like contact balance, like how many yards you're making after contact. Like, are you going down when you get hit, or are you running through contact? And you know, his yards after contact were probably ridiculous, including the 40-yard run the other day. But you know, you, those goal line runs are not easy. You're just going to get a lot of bodies. You're going to get guys in the gaps. You're going to make very quick decisions. Your eyes got to be as fast as your feet, and then you got to run with power. Now, it, it, you know, it helps if you can just jump over the top like he did once. But you know. You look at him and you look at the hole that was created where Tredavious White's trying to tackle him at the goal line. It's like Tredavious White knows he's not going to tackle him. He's a tough guy. He's a good player. But when Jonathan Taylor hit him, he went right through him. And so I, I just feel like, you know, he's a guy that is going to win his contact battles. And, you know, good running backs, that's what they do. And that's why a lot of them don't last a long time because they're just taking those body blows, you know, every single week. And they take their toll on your legs, and you just you lose some of the juice over a period of time. But you know he's obviously you know young, and in, you know he's just getting into his prime. I mean he's he's got that ability to do that. Baldy, he's had 19 carries, his high total up to this game, this past yep. game. Then he yep. went to 30. Is that a recipe yep. for Frank Reich, Marcus Brady, and the offensive coaching staff to say, "Hey, we got to win some games on on this final push of the season"? Are we going to see more of those thirty game carries out of JT? I don't know if that you'll see thirty. I mean, the, you know, the, the conditions, the weather, the score kind of led to that. I thought that it would take him out, you know, when it was like thirty-one to whatever it was, thirty-one to you know ten or something. I, I thought thirty-one, thirteen. I thought they'd take him out then. Um, and just kind of rest and put the cape on them, let the other guys finish. And, you know, they kept them in there deep, deep into the fourth quarter. But I, I think it's a you know pretty good test to see how he responds this week to see going forward, can we give him 30 carries mm-hmm. if we need 30 carries from him? Uh, and how he holds up, how he responds, how he bounces back during the week. You know, I, I, I'm sure Frank is looking at all of that. I'm sure the whole organization is. But it's nice to know that he can give that to you if you need it because right. there's going to be games where you're probably going to need that. Absolutely, and, and Carson Wentz knows that too. Baldy, coming up, we got uh, the Buccaneers at home, go, travel to the Texans, uh, got the Patriots, that'll be a huge game here at Lucas Oil Stadium. we on the road on the Cardinals on uh, Christmas, the Raiders here at Lucas Oil Stadium, and the Jaguars. Is this a playoff team? Well, I think they are. You know, when I when they made the trade for Carson, I said, you know, they were a playoff team, obviously, last year, 11-5, and five, playoffs, all that. Um, I thought they were a playoff team coming into the season. I still think they're a playoff team. They got off, obviously, to a rocky start. You know, Carson was injured throughout the preseason. Um, but that, there's no excuses there. They're, they're a playoff team. Um, and it's all there in front of them. Now, there's, they've got their share of tough games in front of them. That's fine. But uh, they – that's Carson's job is to get him to the postseason, you know, and to play at a high level. And he's done a good job of taking care of the football. I think he can play better. Uh, it'll be good to see T.Y. out there on a more regular basis. I think that can help. But, you know, a little bit more explosive in the passing game would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. But I think they're a playoff team. And I know they're, you know, minus the safeties and they've had injuries and all that stuff. But, like, everybody has that kind of stuff. Um, 
they're a playoff team. They, you know, they they've got to go finish the job right now. I want to ask you about this matchup against the Bucks because that the, the way Todd Bowles sends blitzes, Baldy. I mean, with with Devin White especially, this is a game where not only Jonathan Taylor's ability to run the ball is going to need to stand up for the Colts, but his ability in pass protection. What have you seen out of him, uh, out of JT, in picking up blitzes, helping chip, whatever it may be, for Carson Wentz? He looks like a good team guy. He looks like he can do all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Tampa is – one thing about Tampa, you know, you watch him last night against the Giants. I mean, they played a lot of coverage last night. Uh, Shaq Barrett and JPP were enough. They played without Vita Vea. Um, but they, they'll do – they'll have a different game plan for the Colts than they did last week against the Giants. Giants don't have running backs like Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Saquon Barkley doesn't look anything like he did his rookie season right now. So they, they, this will be a different game plan. They, they are uh, number two in the NFL against the run. They are big inside. I don't know if Vita Vea is going or not. But Adamican Sue has never missed a game in his life. 12 straight years, he's lined up every single week except for a couple games he was How about that? You know what you're going to get from these guys. You know, and so what you have to do is you have to find sometimes different ways to run it. Sometimes it's the fly sweeps, it's the, it's the toss cracks. Um, if you're not making a lot of, you know, bones inside. But the Bills were the number one defensive football, and they, and they you know, they split them and hit them all game long. I don't think they should be shy about going up against this Bucks defensive front and doing similar type things. Baldy, you mentioned a guy named Vita Vea who did not play against the Giants on the Monday night game, but he will, by according you know, to what they were saying pregame, he'll be ready to go. That's 360 pounds in the middle, okay? That's that's last week against the Bills, Star uh, Star Lodulele. Am I, am I saying that right or am I yeah, butchering Lord. that? Um, he was out. How much of, a, of an advantage or disadvantage is it uh, for the defense, rather, if you got one of your bell cows in there at 360 pounds, whether it's Vita Vea or, or Lota Lele, for, if you're Jonathan Taylor, how much easier does that get? Well, it's a lot easier. I mean, Vita Vea is the best run stuffer in the league, and it keeps his linebackers, Devin White and Levante David, free to go make tackles. And one of the reasons why both those guys – are amongst the league leaders in tackles is they literally don't get touched in a lot of games. The, you can't get to the second level because of what Bea and Sue are doing up down front and Nunez Roches and the whole group McClendon. I mean, they got, they got four, four or five guys inside Golston that are, are big and strong, but nobody is bigger and stronger than Vita Bay. I mean, he's just a, a tsunami of power and it's his game. I mean, he could play the game without pads or a helmet. <laughs> And it wouldn't make any difference. It'd just be like a rugby scrum to him. Right. Brian, uh, just, just kind of the, the last thing I want to get into you with here is just with the, the way that Frank Reich is able to scheme his run running plays. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think a lot of us, when you look around the league, you look at a uh, like a Shanahan offense, and it's very you, – you know what you're looking at. You know this is what you're going to get out of that. Where where is Where have you seen Frank Reich draw his – his scheme from? I mean, well, you know, he's got a lot of experience well, in different places, but where, where does that come from? Well, I mean, you got to go back to Marv Levy and what he was with in, Bolt, in, in Buffalo. And they were on the K-1, K-Gun offense. Mm-hmm. And I, I played up there for a little bit. Um, you know, you know, you know his, his the offense that Marv ran, I mean, literally you could run, learn the run game in an hour. I mean, it, it was five runs. And all you did every day was just, just review it every single – individual period those runs against every front every look 
every player. And so that there's never really um, there, there's never really any indecision with your offensive line about who to block, no matter what they do to you. And I think there's a simplistic approach to what Frank does. They do a lot of things that some other teams do with the motion and, and stuff like that. But really, they kind of they kind of perfect five or six different runs. And I, I'm a believer in that approach. And I think Frank takes that approach. Um, you know, now look, when, when you have Thurman Thomas or Jonathan Taylor, it makes any approach, you know, a lot more palatable. But, you know, I think that's where his uh, – the foundation to his run game really came from is those years up there with Marv Levy in Buffalo. Baldy, i got to ask about a couple of uh, common opponents. I know we're a cold show here, but we're going to be facing one of them. Uh, I think it's safe to say, do you think that the New England Patriots are one of the best teams, if not the best team currently, right now, this part of the season, in the NFL? And also, no Derrick Henry for the Titans. What's their outlook in your eyes? Well, they're, they're, Tennessee is a mess right now. I mean, defensively, they're still very good, very good. But they turned it over five times the other day and got beat by the Texans. Offensively, though, since Derrick Henry went down, I don't know that they've got 200 yards of offense yet. Um, you know, Julio Jones hasn't done anything this year. He doesn't have a touchdown catch. Uh, they're, they're very, very incomplete right now offensively. But defensively, they're still a very good team. They can affect the game. They did last week. Uh, but New England is the best defense in football. That's the best I've seen. Fundamentally, they're the most sound in their approach to how they coach defense and what they ask their players to do. And you're going to get punched in the mouth every play by those guys. They, they play the game the right way, and they, they do a lot. And then offensively, they're really rounding in the form. I mean, they're becoming a very good, potent, powerful running team right now, and the quarterback doesn't make mistakes. I mean, they're a very, very sound football team. And anybody that beats them, they're going to beat them because their level of execution is just probably as good as it's been all year. Oh, I'm cringing a little bit, but you're right. You're right. I'm cringing a little bit, but you're right. They're awful tough, and they're coming here to Lucas Oil Stadium in December. Baldy, always love catching up with you, spending some time getting your take on this team and around the NFL. Follow him on Twitter, at BaldyNFL, best in the business. Brother, we sure appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. You bet. Anytime. Now join. I'm ready for this one, JJ. This is an this interesting. Is good. This is an interesting guest with this week that we have coming here, a home game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. What do we do? We invite Coach Clyde Christensen, the quarterback coach of those Tampa Bay Bucks, on our podcast. Clyde, it's rare, it's different, but you're an old friend of the show. We love you, and I'm glad we're catching up on this week. It is good to be with you, and it's uh, it's exciting and fun to be coming back to India. Uh, I love the place and love the franchise, and awful good decade and a half there. So for a bunch of us, for Coach Moore and for Coach Arians and I and a uh, pretty cool deal. So uh, it, it should be a heck of a football game. So. Oh, great. Great so, memories. Uh, it, with, it, yeah, great memories that you've had here with that staff, especially. I'm going to start with some easy questions for you, if you don't mind. I'm not going to ask game, I'm not going to ask any game plan questions this week or anything like that. I know it's early. I just want to find out, just a simple question right from the top. Who do you like better, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, I, I, like, I, like, I like Brady's strength better. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I really, I really think that we can hold hold uh, Peyton under under a hundred yards. You're probably right. I really do. I, I think 
I think I think Brady can I think Brady can get him this week. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. No, you you've had the luxury and and also it shows how good you are at your craft is uh you know Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, just to name a few. Uh, the players that you've had your hands on as far as the quarterbacks go in this league. What's it like coming home because you've got so many memories here with your wife Deb and living yeah. here for so long and so many golf matches that you and I have had. What are the feelings like this week coming home? You know what? It just it, it just feels good. It just uh, it's fun to come back. It's just fun. All the memories kind of flood in. Math is going up in the Ring of Honor, and just so many so many great folks and so many great experiences. And uh, you know, it just has a good feeling to it. You know, it's a it's a darn shame that the the game has to get in the way of those things. Right. After the first incomplete, they'll be gone. But uh, it, it really is. It just you know that was that was such a special. 14 years for me that was a bunch of wins and a bunch of great games in that stadium and and uh you know mr ursay and ursay fan the whole crew it, it just it really is a it really is kind of fun it's really it really is fun to get back there and see some faces you haven't seen and uh and uh, so I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, Clyde, you mentioned Robert Mathis going into the Ring of Honor, and you know I know you're you're on the offensive side of the ball. But something that Rob has talked about is how like learning from Peyton Manning on how to set up his rushes and how not to telegraph huh. what his rushes were. How did you see Peyton Manning make Robert Mathis a better football player? You know, I think just how he used everything from how he used his cadence to where he sat in the pocket and what he felt and what he didn't feel. And, uh, you know, but I, I think it all started even just with the cadence and that, how he viewed it, how he viewed handling special rushers, and uh, which is which is kind of an art in itself, you know. Uh, it's, it's actually fun to hear Brady talk about Mathis and, and Freeney, and I, I always tease Freeney and, you know, just go, go guy, you know, you, you know. Brady thought you guys were really good. I thought you guys were a little bit overrated, you know. And uh, and uh, but Brady feared those two guys and feared coming into Indy. And uh, so so it's really been kind of fun just talking about Freeney and Mathis and some of those great games we've had there. And uh, and uh, man, he has he has an incredible respect for those two outside guys. I think probably when you when you're living it day to day, I'm just teasing him about being overrated. But I do, I do think you don't really see him as strongly as the whole league did through that decade decade or so that they played together of, of of how hard they were to handle and even going back to that RCA dome when it would really get rocking and you you know and your and your tackles would get off late on those two cats and you just knew you were gonna you knew you were gonna get hit you better get it out of your hand or you were gonna get hit and uh, so that's been kind of fun that's Clyde Christensen, quarterback coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. They are up next at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday afternoon, so it's good to catch up. I don't consider you the opposition, Coach. I consider you an old an old friend. So, I mean, may the best man win on Sunday, but I'm glad that you're here. I, I got to go back to the comparison, not so much comparison, but using Peyton, using Brady. Peyton retired earlier than Brady, and obviously Brady will play till he's 60, 70 years old. Coach, how much stuff – that you learned from Tom Moore through Peyton Manning, through yourself, that you've shared with Tom Brady to make his offense better? Yeah, I think it's always a two-way street with those great ones. But I will say this. I think, I think you know, like Tom has said many a time, one of the really special things of this year was going up to, to Peyton's induction and taking Tom, you know, that who would ever thought you brought Tom to a – you can share with the viewers because you were there, but yeah. bringing Tom to a Colts party, which was – a Quite an and he loved it though. <laughs> he loved it. Kind of taking a one of the Crips to a Bloods party, you know. It was, a, you know, just kind of. It was a. It was. It was awesome, and we've just had an unbelievable time. But 
I think Tom would tell you that he learned. I think all these quarterbacks learned from Peyton. He was the he was one of the first guys who just kind of took over the whole game at the line of scrimmage. And there's there's no none of these young quarter younger quarterbacks that you know that came behind him that didn't benefit from watching him operate in the no huddle and how he directed traffic and and how he heaped the whole game on his shoulders and wasn't afraid to you know have to have to do it on the road and go no huddle and play in big games and and have the whole thing on your shoulders so I, I think I think I think we've all benefited from watching Peyton and I think Tom would be the first to say you know that as a young as a younger guy that he just watching him operate he would tell you he never missed a game he watched every single game Peyton played and uh and then even now just to listen to them exchange information and how they see things is is pretty darn unique and I think probably I'm I've probably benefited more than I've given. I've I've taken more than I've given from those two guys. I've just learned and being around them how they do things, how they see things, how they operate, how they how they bounce back from a couple losses, how they handle success and and uh you know it's just it really really has been a, a great privilege and and a blast to be around these two guys and and now even Peyton had our game last night and uh you know, so he was fishing around and trying to get get tips from Tom and I. <laughs> sure, he was for the broadcast last night. Yeah. And, oh, it was it was funny, you know. But uh, you know, it's still fun to see those guys and you know that they both were such great competitors, but they both had such a great perspective on football and competing, and and yet still had fun doing it. You know, still made the game fun, and I think that that's that's what fans have enjoyed, and that's what I've had a just a front row seat to watching. You know, just just how they do things and. Uh, Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Hey, Clyde, I want to ask you about another great player um, and and a guy you coached with the Colts in Reggie Wayne, who's going to be up for uh, being a semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hopefully we'll get that news on Wednesday that he'll be a semifinalist. This is year three now for him. He's been a finalist twice. You saw him closer than most, if anyone, for his time here in Indianapolis. What made Reggie Wayne a, a great player and a guy who at some point here will deservedly wind up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, I'm. 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 As a, I'm I think I'm the most anxious guy of them all. I, I just want to see him get in and get recognized even further with that with that gold jacket. But I think the thing that that jumps out at me is just his consistency that he did it week in and week out, which is hard to do at that position. I I always tell people the story that. For the first eight years, I think I was in Indianapolis. He never missed a, a snap of practice, training camp, or a game. You know that. You know I use it with young players a lot. That hey, you you want to improve, be out there. You know it's hard not to get better when you're practicing every day. And and I think that he's a guy who just kind of was the model of consistency and wasn't afraid to do some of the the grimy work as we like to call it and go root out safeties and and uh, you know and also just his patience just. You know, he came in there with Marvin there, and it kind of, you know, he, I remember us just sitting and having talks, and he goes, I don't know if it'll ever happen for me. I just, just be patient. You know, you don't know that. And next thing you know, they both went to the Pro Bowl for all those years, and and uh, and he ended up having just a brilliant career. So I think just his patience and just the way he stayed with it and the way he did everything. He blocked. He he did all of it, you know, and uh and uh, that that jumps out at me, and then just his durability, just his ability to stay healthy and out there on the field and available for sixteen, twenty games, whatever it was each year. And uh, and uh, but he he was a great player, and and uh, just just 
like most of those guys with that organization for all those years, just a great human being, came from a great family and just a a neat guy. And I I enjoy him and his boys and his wife still to this day, you know, just great friendships that have, that have gone on for, for a long, long time. So that, that, that's, that's what makes this coaching job special and, and uh, pretty cool stuff. Excellent. Clyde Christensen, I know you got to get out of here because you're game planning to beat the Colts. That's right. He is the Tampa Bay quarterbacks coach, and we're talking Tom Brady, a little Peyton Manning, Robert Mathis, Reggie Wayne. I appreciate the help. I appreciate the time letting us catch up with you. My last question, I'll let you go. These greats that you've worked with, they want to be coached. And I'm talking wide receivers, Marvin Harrison included, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, especially Brady. You've always said they want to be coached. They want, and we've seen Bruce Arians when the passing game is in there. He says, yeah, quarterback play stunk. I mean, how is that when you're talking to arguably the greatest to ever play the position? And what is he like on a two-game losing streak? You know what? Uh, you know, they're not fun on those two-game losing streaks, but they look for answers and they do want to be coached. I think uh, I always tease it, you know, that – Everyone has this perception you don't have to coach those. Those guys demand to be coached, all of them, from Marv, Reg, Peyton, Luck, Brady. All They want to be coached. I just came out of a meeting watching a game with, with Tom this morning, and, uh, you know, he's mad at himself for missing a couple throws and how'd I do this and, you know, just, just the way they approach the game. And, uh, you know, so he had, he had a look on his face. I knew it was going to be hard, hard. Hard to hold him off last night. He came out of that tunnel and he just had that look. Yep. That kind of stay out of the way when they get that look. And we've <laughs> all seen him from Peyton at times, and uh, but he was awful determined. And uh, they're they're fun to be around. They're so competitive. I think you know Peyton. Peyton wanted to be coached. I think the quickest way to get get him angry is if you if you didn't coach him. You know, and and uh, I think probably the biggest lie ever told was that's the easiest job in the league is coaching Peyton Manning because he does it. Uh, you know, probably the toughest job in the league. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, you better he is so demanding, and you better not show up at a meeting right. prepared, and you better, you better <laughs> be ready to go and uh, and have your eyes dotted and your t's crossed. And you know the the challenge is how do you find ways to make them better? And if you can do that, then they are all in. Anything that makes them half a percent better, a percent better, or improve something, then then they they are all in on that. And uh, so that's what makes them an awful awful fun fun to work with. And and uh, and what a blessing one of the great blessings in my life one of the great coaches in the nfl that's clyde christensen from the tampa bay bucks and before we let you go i mean i wanted to put up on the big screen during the bucks colts game you know thanks for the memories welcome back clyde the video you know i wanted to do that but this robert mathis thing at halftime they're getting in the ring of honor <laughs> is taking up everything so we got to get you the next time back here <laughs> well good they uh you guys I have, I have benefited from indianapolis in those years and uh I'm, this is the week of Thanksgiving, and one of the th- it's really kind of fun to come up there Thanksgiving week because I am so thankful for what the Lord did and with me and with my family while while we were there for those 14 years. So this is this is a great week for me to come up there with a, a grateful and a thankful heart for for the people and and the memories that took place there. It, it's it's special. Can't wait to see you, Coach. Best of luck for the rest of the season, other than this coming Sunday. How's that? Fair enough. I appreciate that. It's going to be a great football game. Awesome. Appreciate the help, Clyde. Thanks, we'll, Clyde. We'll get you in the offseason catching up with our friend Clyde Christensen. This is the Colts' official podcast presented by our friends at WinBet. Every week we do it. For our special thanks to J.J. Stankovitz, Brian Bollier, and, of course, Clyde Christensen. We will talk to you next week as usual. Go Colts.